Hey everyone, welcome to God, Growth, and Gaff. We are three guys in our 20s that want to share with you our journey in developing big projects in our areas of small church ministry. Join us as we DIY our vision for the future and how we can help ministry leaders dream big on a small budget together. I'm Nathan. I'm Josh. And I'm Dylan. And we are glad to have you here. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to episode five of Triple G. Uh, hey, today is a fun topic. It's something that I think in ministry, it's it's probably the most rewarding part, um, the our favorite aspect, and it is <laughs> conflict. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, the best part about mm. what we do. Fun times. Uh, yeah. Today we're going to be talking about how it affects the staff, how it affects the volunteers, how it affects just the church in general. Um, we know that conflict is something that every church deals with, that every person deals with. Um, and if you're not having conflict in your church, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> right. It, there's some sort of dictatorship if you guys don't have conflict because it's it's just a part of life. It's quiet. Too I'm, quiet. I was going to say, someone must be hiding underground if there's no pushing back. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, as a church, even though there's so much conflict, um, it can tend to be pushed under the rug very easily. Mm. So with this episode, our goal is to kind of uh, eliminate the taboo and just go right into it and um, not be afraid of this topic that is just so often shied away from. Um, so one of the reasons behind conflict, I feel like, is it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last episode as well, um, how everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and everybody also in the same aspect has their own like personality traits and yeah. they're all drastically different. Um, where if you have this team that sometimes their weaknesses will just, they can't find their strengths and weaknesses, or um, even if like a leader just doesn't understand them properly, this can very quickly lead to volunteers being misunderstood or feeling misunderstood or um, even leaders getting frustrated just because there's no understanding. And I just think there's some natural growing pains, right? I think as people... We desire always to just be around those who are like us, who think like us, act like us, everything like us. So when we are, like we talked about last week, put in a team where we are seeking out different people with different strengths and different gifts and abilities, there's just those natural growing pains in which we're not going to agree with one another and then we're going to fight and bicker. And so I think getting to Dylan's point as well, it's just one of those where we want to address what it looks like one, in saying that conflict is normal and that's okay, but also understanding that if we can see where the root of it comes from, it's easier to kind of maintain balance and address. Yeah, I think I want to ask you guys the question. Do you think that mm -hmm. it's more likely for conflict to happen depending on two people with different strengths and weaknesses or two people with the same? Ooh, Ooh that's an interesting one, actually. I would probably say with the same strengths and weaknesses only because at least when the people have different strengths and weaknesses, if they're both aware of that, it's easier to kind of put those emotions aside of why are they doing it like this and why are they acting like that when, when they realize that, wait, they're not like me. They, they do things differently. Whereas I think if it's two people have the same strengths and weaknesses, 
then it's like, why would you do it like that? That's not how I do it. <laughs> yeah. That that's so wrong. And uh, and we become the ultimate rulers of the way that we do things, right? And so I would imagine that if people have the same strengths, it's probably more conflict. That's just me though. Yeah, it's it obviously depends on the situation, but that's an interesting point. How like um, even as leaders, we can sometimes see people who like have the same weaknesses as us specifically, and be like, "Wait a sec, why are you doing that?" But we fail to realize, oh, it's just because they're fairly similar to us. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, it's it's an eye-opening thing, and it's kind of a look in a mirror sometimes. Yeah, I think even in our own office, the people that we're <laughs> most like are the ones that we often butt heads with, and <laughs> so it, I, you know, it just further proves our point that we're we're making, and yeah. I think I think that conflict arises a lot, obviously, when people are different. Because you know exactly like you were saying. If and we talked about this last week, but if if I'm much more detail oriented than everyone else, then I'm gonna get annoyed when a, a small detail isn't done. Mm. Uh, but in the same way, if I'm dealing with someone who's also super detail oriented, but they're detail oriented about slight different things or you know they want different things in those details then that's where the conflict's gonna arise <laughs> because uh. it's the little things that no one cares about at all uh but though me being with a person of the same you know the same personality type we're gonna butt heads on those small little details um and we're gonna lose the big picture you know in, in the weaknesses of like hey this little, you know, this candle on this table does not matter if it's <laughs> in the middle or on the left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's going to come to to Jesus more, <laughs> right. whether whether where that that candle is. Um, but you know, it's it's all you need those things in order to make a church work. But that's I think a lot of times where the biggest conflict is 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 depending on two people of the of the same, because when you have two people who are different, then you know, like you were saying, it's going to be oh. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way, but we're different, so... Right. Mm, yeah. I think there's just more grace when there's differences within the strengths and weaknesses, which, again, goes back to what we talked about, why we need each other, because if everyone was the same type A cookie-cutter behavior, well, we would just get on each other for not being like me, who's the right type A, and then be like, no, like me, who's the right type And so uh, yeah. Yeah. it just would fun. devolve into Jeez. this, no, the Spider-Man meme where everyone's pointing <laughs> at each other. Hey, it's you. What? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and even with that, what we want to do as we start with this episode is run to what the Bible has to say about conflict, because, I mean, even Jesus addresses it on his time on earth. Um, he, he was... He was not blind to the fact that we, even as believers, as followers of Jesus, would have conflict with one another. He knew that, you know, these things will arise. I mean, he created us, so he knows us. (laughs) And so we wanted to read from Matthew chapter 18. We wanted to start in verse 15. And we just wanted to share with you just some of what Jesus shares when when other believers are are sinning against us or, or having conflict with us and just how we can approach it. And so starting here in verse 15, it says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. 
Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So we see here in the scriptures that it kind of divides itself into three main sections of conflict resolution. And the first one that we want to talk about is the personal. We see it right away in the beginning, just to go against the person who's wronged you, you and them alone. And so what I think for this church especially, it's important for us to recognize um, whether you're a member of the church or a leader of the church, whatever it is, when you see a situation, you actually have to do something. I know that may be hard and scary to hear, but you, you are the one that is initiating the resolution and the conflict resolution from the wrong. You notice it doesn't say that the person who is wrong will go to you and say, no, you are the one that has to do it. However, I think this also teaches us that when we do so, we need to come with humility. Mm. I once heard when there was a conversation going on about correction and conflict resolution, the one thing you never want to do is say, you did this and you did that and you made me feel. But also, but instead, approaching it with saying, when this happened, I responded this way. When this happened, I felt this and I received it as that. That way, one, it's disarming rather than attacking because I think when we have to approach conflict, we're not trying to add fire with fire. What we're trying to do is resolve the solution so that healing can actually take place. And so this first step that we're looking at here scripturally, when we deal with conflict, when we have to face these situations, one, you got to be the one to do it, especially if you're the one that's wronged. You just have to pull up those big boy pants and you'll have to approach the situation with humility saying, hey, this is where I, I felt wronged. This is what I understood, and how can we improve from that? And we see here that Scripture tells us that if they receive that, then you have gained your brother back, right? When we take that posture of humility, we are the ones inviting them back into a relationship that will be restored and resolved and even stronger than that. But we also see, unfortunately, what happens if they still reject that, which takes us to our next point. Right. So the next part he talks about is uh, bringing witnesses. Um, and this, I feel like, is best approached if you have somebody who's not partial to the situation, um, mm. or otherwise it can just get a little too friends against friends, and mm -hmm. nobody will actually listen to you because it's, hey, this is just your friend. Of course they're going to back you up in anything. Right. Um, so it's important to, for them to realize that whoever you're with is partial. Um, it's also important for both people not to just, like, gang up on the other person per se. Yeah. But literally is just there to be a witness and make sure that um the two people who originally were involved with the conflict are not going to just go after each other because things can get emotional very, very quickly. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's another reason why it would be important to have a like a witness there is just to diffuse any sort of emotions. But sometimes even this doesn't work. Because people are people, and everybody's human, <laughs> and everybody's stubborn sometimes. So that brings us to our next point. Yeah, I well, I, I have something quick to say on on your point, Dylan. Mm, is okay. is what reminded me is not too long ago uh, there was a conflict that that happened, and um, it involved you. <laughs> and yeah. basically, it, you know, don't want to go into into details or anything, but it was just a misunderstanding. And yeah. 
Um, instead of Dylan talking to the the person, I called them up, and it was something that you know that we messed up, and it was a, it was a small little thing that we messed up, and and all we had to say was, "Hey, I'm sorry, you know that that didn't go as planned." Mm-hmm. And it was completely fine. <laughs> it right. went completely fine after that. But you know, for a while, mm-hmm. it was like, "Oh, is this person gonna leave the church? Is something is something terrible gonna happen?" And it's mm-hmm. a, a lot of times, it's just that third party who is not involved with the situation, but knows what happened on both ends, and just says like, "Hey, our bad." And what I've come to realize working in a church is that most of the time, if you just say are bad. Yeah. If, 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 even if it's completely hmm. not. Like, <laughs> if you um, can find a way to make it your bad. Yeah. If you can, if you can work your way in there and just um, somehow make it your fault, nine times out of 10, the conflict's going to be much, much simpler <laughs> and, and resolved easier. Mm. Um, even if it's, you know, someone, someone that completely is wrong, <laughs> you know, fair. even if, even if someone, lost their mind about something if it was even two congregants kind of talking and if we can make a way to to say our bad it's going to be resolved and i know that a lot of times that we don't want to do that because we're we're way too proud but honestly who cares <laughs> like yeah. if it's if it's going to make the congregation more complete and and holistic if it's going to ease a conflict, if it's going to keep people in the church, keep them in the in the word of God, if all we have to say is we're sorry and that you're right, I'm I'm gonna sleep at night knowing <laughs> knowing that That's hundred percent true. <laughs> you know, I, I don't care if I'm if I'm right or wrong. And there's a thousand million relationship and marriage books that talk about this same thing. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not a new concept. But mm-hmm. because we're human, because we are so utterly not humble. (laughs) Um, It's so hard for us to say our bad, but if we're speaking on behalf of the church, we do, we do wrong every single day. Oh yeah. And I think too, even to that point, like when you are dealing with these situations of conflict, when you are willing and do the hard work of embracing humility, it's really disarming to the other person then that they wouldn't, well, they hopefully they wouldn't respond to humility with more hostility, right? Like, yeah. like when when you yourself are willing, whether you're in the wrong or not, take that stance to just say, you know what, I'm gonna see where I was wrong. I'm gonna see what I needed to do better or improve, or whatever it is. When you take that stance and you approach that to whoever it is that's dealing that with that, one, they're gonna notice that you're approaching them with humility. They're going to see it. It's really hard not to see it, especially, again, in the height of emotions. But two, it's hopefully going to, in turn, encourage them to make the choice to say, you know what, I also need to approach this humbly. And so even especially for mediators, if you you are the one being asked to be a mediator, I'd even encourage you from the get-go to start with humility, from the get-go and say, listen, I'm here looking to bring peace for both of you. Mm -hmm. I'm not here... You know, if, if a resolution for one person works out and not for the other, that's fine. No, you want to seek a healthy resolution for both people because that brings about the humility that both people will want to need as well. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's not possible. Right. Um, 
And we we truly hope, and I would I would say, ninety percent of the time, it does work out that way, right? Yeah. But sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I think Jesus's last point here in, in Matthew eighteen, we don't ever do <laughs> really as a church to to bring people up, you know, in front of a, of a, the entire congregation. Uh, we don't ever really hear about that, and I don't necessarily think it needs to be in front of everyone on a Sunday morning. Because if I'm going to be honest, if I'm new to a church and if I walk in just to check out this whole God thing and I see Brother Jebediah has <laughs> has committed right. adultery, Brian going, <laughs> going to that church. So, Run! Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running far away. That's literally and, airing dirty laundry right there. <laughs> yeah, and so... I think a lot of times, you know, this this meaning of in front of the church can be in front of the board. It can be in front of staff. It can be in front of a select group of people who are very rooted in their faith that need to bring up this person and say, "Bro, or sis, uh, you're you're going down a bad trail. We've tried to talk to you. We've tried to fix this, but something's going wrong." And you know, I think. Sometimes that can that can work, and we hope, you know, that's the, that's the last step. We hope that, hey, if you're actually having an intervention with this person, like, something better be fixed. But sometimes that, that doesn't work, and if a person feels too hurt by the church, if a, first, if a person feels too angered, um, you know, towards a situation that happened or whatever, and that, and that doesn't fix it, uh, I've heard of a... Um, uh, term called divine subtraction and mm-hmm. and our pastor has, has told us about this and it's essentially like if there's a person in your ministry who is just being so hostile to everyone um and a person who thinks that you know they're the only <laughs> right person in the church mm-hmm. and that only their needs matter and they decide to leave we don't want to turn anyone away from church we don't want to turn anyone away especially from the gospel but if a person feels so so angry and we've tried to reach out to them, we've tried the personal and the with a witness and with a group of, of members of the church and they still are just so angry that they want to leave, sometimes that's a good thing. Uh, and it's not ever, ever a good thing if they want to leave the faith. That's a terrible thing. Yeah, right. But if they just want to go to the church down the street because we're not fitting their vibe, okay. <laughs> you know? Um, mm. It's not... A terrible thing if our church or if your church doesn't fit everyone's. I think just culture. Culture, yes. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a good word for it. I didn't want to say vibe I, again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if if you know if your specific church maybe maybe you guys do hymns every single Sunday and everyone wears a suit, and if someone is so angered by that and they come in with with holy jeans and they want to sing the the newest elevation album and they're just causing a, a terrible ruckus in your church and they leave sometimes that's a good thing for your ministry because they're going to find the church down the road that has a congregation of 15,000 people and <laughs> and they have their own coffee shop and great because they're going to find where where they belong and in the same way if you're a church that who cares if you wear shorts on a sunday and if the pastor wears a t-shirt and someone comes in 
complaining about the haze and the lights and <laughs> which never happens by the no, way. No, that's I've, never once happened. I've never heard that uh, ever. <laughs> and if someone comes in complaining about that and again, if they're causing so much conflict and they leave, sometimes that's not a bad thing. And mm-hmm. I, again, I, I know we've, we've said this, but we don't want to turn anyone away from the faith. Right. But these, if, if there's people who are so adamant about their specific set of, uh, preferences, needs and preferences, yeah. mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing if that person is not a part of your congregation. Yeah, and I, you know, even you saying that reminds me of the ending of verse 17. 17b, it says this, And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Mm-hmm. And I think when people hear that initially, it's just like, cool, be done with them, be away with you, like, get away from me. That You know, who are you to me now? Because you don't want to listen to anyone. But if you stop and reflect on Jesus's ministry, <laughs> who did he come and still love and eat with and preach the gospel to? Oh, Gentiles and tax collectors. I mean, <laughs> nice. even one of his disciples is a tax collector. Hmm. And, and so even with conflict, even with the concept of divine subtraction, the goal isn't to be like, well, if you don't fit our image and our quota and our fill in the blank, you're out. No, the goal is even in conflict, you love to the very end. You you say, hey, maybe this isn't for you, but we would love to help you find a place where you believe you would connect better. Because like Josh was saying, the goal isn't to turn people away from the faith. The goal is to turn people to where they can be best used for God's kingdom. And sometimes in conflict, that brings to the point that we're not removing you from the faith. Like, who are we to remove names from the book of life? Mm-hmm. But maybe where you're serving needs to be in a place where the conflict will be less and the fruit will be more. Mm. I, I really like that you brought up the disciples being Gentiles and, and that. And I think the, <laughs> the best part of, or the best instance of conflict in the Bible between the disciples is when uh, John and James are arguing over, you know, basically which is, no, sorry, sorry. They're not Wasn't it their moms. They were. That was like, who's the greatest? Well, no, it was a different instance, and they're all arguing who's the greatest. But uh, people came up to the disciples and were like bashing them, like the Pharisees, right? And John and James were like, "We're gonna curse you and strike you down with lightning and all these things." And and Jesus walks up to them and calls them the sons of thunder. And that's so funny. <laughs> like, he's like, calm down, Thor. It'll be okay. Um, and I, I love that, you know, sometimes in, in the Bible, we can see Jesus as such a peaceful, um, and I mean, he is such, he's mm-hmm. the prince of peace, but we see right. him just as dealing with the disciples with such ease and, and walking them through it and holding their hand. But I love this instance of conflict because they're they're so enraged, and he just literally makes a joke, and then like 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 nicks, nicknames that for the rest of. <laughs> right, <laughs> like we know stuck. them. As sons yeah, of we know them as the sons of thunder. Uh huh. Um, but what I also have realized about the disciples is actually our one of our members of the congregation who uh, he is on the worship team. He preaches. Um, he just posted this thing on Facebook today that said. We all know, um, you know, how, how great it was to be called a disciple of Jesus and how 
each of the disciples were handpicked, right? Mm. And Peter was a fisherman. Um, Matthew was a tax collector. Simon um, was a zealot. And that means like a, a political radical, essentially. Well, thinking about that, how much conflict do you think there was between those 12? <laughs> Quite a bit, I'm sure. <laughs> if you, if, I mean, if you think about that in, the, in today's society, if you have like a blue-collar worker, um, you have someone who works for like Goldman Sachs <laughs> mm. and someone who is, is a very, very far either right or left um, on the political side, like radical, mm. and they're, you know, they're doing marches, they got all the flags, they got, they got everything. Do you know how much conflict would happen <laughs> with, would those, with those 12 always in the same spot? Wow. Um, yeah. I never really thought of that. Yeah. And like, I, I... We've seen like evidence of conflict um, within the disciples just through all of the, um, all the books where any of the disciples are in it. Um, but I feel like it's not paid attention to a lot, but... You're right. There's so many drastically different personalities. Mm -hmm. And the same thing will always apply to churches nowadays, too. It's all of these drastically different personalities come together under one roof. And it's our job to figure out how to make it work because we have a mission that's greater than ourselves. Yeah. And that really reminds me as well, when we are in a church, when we're doing life together, when we're in such a close proximity... I mean, for some people, it's just once a week. For others, it's more. But regardless of it, we have to remember when we're here that conflict isn't an enemy to what God is doing. Mm. I mean, I think a lot of times when we come to church, it's, this, it's taboo to talk about the situations that are going on between congregants, and, and all the situations get swept under the rug. I mean, I think even in the last few years, think about all the allegations and the situations of, of people's dirty laundry really just coming to the surface of the church. And a lot of it is just due to the fact that no one ever addressed it. No one ever talked mm. about it. No one ever wanted to handle it. It was just like, well, if we just pretend it doesn't exist, mm. then everything will just resolve itself. Or if we're too worried to actually step forward and do something about it, or if we just say, well, the people in conflict will just handle it themselves. Um, mm. Again, we just read that Scripture tells us that at some point there has to be a mediator that steps in. Mm -hmm. I think we as a church in general just need to stop pretending like situations aren't going to arise in a church. And we also need to stop pretending that it's not our responsibility as our brothers and sisters to do something about it. And when I, when I think about that, I'm reminded of... of it, there's this post that I read, and it talked about the things that you won't find on a ministry job description. And I actually printed it out and put it on my uh, door mm. in my office. Yep. But one of the points that really stood out to me is that as someone involved in ministry, as someone who's going to be a pastor or leader in a church or whatever it may be, you have to be willing to have hard conversations on holy ground. You have to have hard conversations on holy ground. Because I think so often we just pretend that when we go to church, Anything that's wrong, anything that we're struggling with, we suddenly hide it and we pretend like it's nothing, that it's perfect. <laughs> but Jesus calls us to transparency. Yeah. I mean, I think about, hmm. look at the Old Testament. Look at Moses, for example. When was he the most honest with God? When he was with him, when he, when he was at Sinai. I think about, I mean, he witnessed the people building a golden calf. 
and he runs to Jesus, uh, to God and he's like, hey, I, I know you're upset with them and I know you're going to smite them and remove them, but what about your promise? Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that's not conflict resolution right there. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I'm saying? Point. Because cause God is ready to say, you know what, I'm done with these folks. They're hard-headed, they're stubborn. I'll just wipe them out and start with you, Moses. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, hmm. you made a promise. You You committed to these people. You made the covenant. How can we stick through with this? And so I think for us as a church to pretend like we can't do the same thing in our churches, I think that just limps our church. I think that just makes us as believers miss out on such an important aspect of restoration and of growth in our church, you know, because I I just couldn't imagine never addressing something. And I would hope, like even for you guys, that when I'm doing something stupid, I hope you call me out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to keep <laughs> walking fair. in this blind way. Mm. You know, tell me about the speck and the log in my eye. I, I think, too, in that, in that Sinai story, right, is that what we, I think a lot of times what we think of as staff or as, as pastors in the church is we all have to be super pristine and and mm. if a conflict happens, go, well, brother, it's okay. It'll all be all right. And here, let me walk you through it and, and show you where in, in Scripture. Dude, Moses <laughs> was <laughs> ticked. He smashed the Ten Commandments that God had just given him. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was like, what are you idiots doing? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty um, much. And so I think a lot of times we shouldn't necessarily do that. Um, don't smash we, the Ten Commandments. Please. Don't smash tablets because iPads oh, are not cheap. The word of the Lord. Uh, nice. So, but you know, a lot of times I think we can look at our congregations and say, "What are you doing?" Mm. You know, I mean, it. A lot of times it doesn't have to be this super uh, Yoda type. They're their young young Padawan. It'll all mm. be okay. But sometimes it can be like, "Bro, you know better than this. What are you doing?" Yeah, mm. you know, and I I think some sometimes if something goes that far, it calls for that, mm. you know. And I, I've I've had that type of conversation with with the guy that discipled me while I was while I was growing up. As it was like <laughs> we called them we called them Thursday conversations, and they were not fun because because uh. <laughs> uh, you know in high school I was a high school boy being dumb, mm-hmm. and I would just make constant jokes and and like at youth group or with him or something. And sometimes they went too far Mm. and you know, he took me aside on like one Thursday and and sat me down at B dubs and was like, Hey, I know you, you're better than this. Come Mm. on, dude. And Mm. like it, it sticks with me. I can still remember being at that, at that B dubs. And then I think there was one other time even where we had another conversation where it was like, me doing something stupid mm-hmm. and, and him sitting me down on a Thursday. And so now I can think about, oh, I don't want to have a Thursday conversation. I like <laughs> you any other day of the week except for on Thursdays. That's and, interesting. And sometimes, you know, that, that is where transformation comes from is sitting people down and saying, you've seen God move all these ways. You've seen God take us out of Egypt and, and mm. feed us in the wilderness and do all of these things. Yet you still choose this golden calf. You still choose to worship this and this and this and and all of these other things throughout your life. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a, what the heck are you doing right now? Mm, good point. Yeah. I think 
we as leaders in the church need to be the first ones, one to receive that. Yeah. I think we we mm. we are not humble pie. Yeah, we are not <laughs> judge, jury, and executioner in the church. Mm-hmm. We are stewards of the spirit. We're we're guided by the spirit to lead others to the spirit. And that means we are the first ones to be put on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. Not on the highest pedestal, but mm. the first ones to be corrected and to accept that humbly. But on the flip side of that, we're also the first ones that need to be willing to to tell people what are you doing? Mm. Because I know there's been so many times in my life that God has slapped me in the back of the head through the hands of the people in my life. That's, yeah. and, that's true. And I think so many times we're scared as churches and as church leaders, especially in the culture where everything is like, oh, just be you, accept this, accept that. It's like, at what point are you just going to take the word of God seriously and have that be the standard for other people, including yourself? And that is going to bring conflict. If it doesn't bring conflict, again, like we said in the beginning, something's wrong. (laughs) But I don't necessarily think we need to have conflict in such a negative light, but we can see that through the conflict, God can bring through restoration. And if we are not willing to fight for that restoration, if we're willing to let conflict be scarier than the result of conflict in a healthy way, then again, I think we're just selling ourselves short. (laughs) In a world full of acceptance, sometimes the thing that we're so least likely to accept is correction. Oh, ah. you can tweet that. <laughs> well, y'all, I think that wraps up a lot of what we needed to talk about today. And I'm, I'm encouraged through this conversation. Uh, the last thing that I, that I want to say is that, you know, this podcast is, is made for staff who are in a, in a small church who don't know what they're doing just as much as we don't. Um, (laughs) But it can be for absolutely anyone. And this conversation specifically is that conflict happens with everyone. Mm. It happens in your work, in your relationships, in your church, obviously, in uh, everything. And so I want to say that, you know, we talked about being the, the first as leaders in the church to accept and give correction. But like I was saying earlier, is who I accepted correction from was not a church staff member. He was a he was a youth leader, and you, if you're you know listening, and you might not work in a church, but you might just be someone who is a very committed Christian. All of these things apply to you as well, mm. and and the people in your life listen to you just as much as they do their pastor. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so. Just want to encourage you know everyone who's listening to be able to receive humbly and to be able to give humbly. And so, with that being said, I want to ask the uh, the question of the day, <laughs> which is: If you were in a fight with a bear, Ooh. Um, conflict. If you were in a fight with a hmm. bear and you could only choose one handheld weapon, but you and the bear had the same thing. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> Which weapon would you choose? It really depends on if this pair if this bearer since it can wield a weapon, <laughs> does it have like human traits and can it stand on two legs or <laughs> are you asking like if it's sentient? Basically? Yeah, basically. Uh the bear has as much skill with the weapon as you do. Huh. It has the right to bear arms. Uh, <laughs> huh, I feel like this if that's the case, there's no way to win it, but 
I guess it's more so the question of how do you want to go out then? In that case, a sword fight. I'm talking like long sword. Medieval knight, you know, the 18-foot-long massive blades that you see wielded in movies. If you're going to go out fighting a bear that has equal skill with you as a weapon... Longsword. I mean, that's a, that's a good choice because you don't have to be close to the bear. Ah, that's so true. you could still win. I was going to say, I think I'm going to choose a bat. That way, like, <laughs> I don't have to necessarily kill the bear. I can incapacitate it and just knock it out. But if it knocks me out, tough, you know, <laughs> good life. <laughs> so, yeah, I think ba- baseball bat, final answer. Okay, okay. Uh, I think I would have to choose uh, Mjolnir. Um, Thor's hammer. Uh. I never said it had to be an actual weapon. Uh, that way I could wield the power of lightning. Mm. Hashtag Sons of Thunder. Full circle, baby. Uh, full circle moment. Uh, nice, nice. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you could, if I could fly with that hammer, oh, that, that bear is done for. But the bear can also fly. Oh, yeah, equal then, skill. Then that's a super dope fight to that see. That is a dope fight. <laughs> Somebody needs to make like a short film on this. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, y'all. Well, thank you for for joining us uh, this week, and we just pray that you know every conflict that arises in your in your church in your life that you that you'll experience from now um, can be treated with humility, and and we can see that, like Jesus says, it's inevitable, and that your church isn't messed up <laughs> if if conflict is happening in it. So, uh, I'll pray us out of here. Dear Lord, thank you, God, um, for the ability, Lord, to just have relationship um, with you, with others. Um, but Lord, we know that because of relationship and because of different personalities or same personalities um, uh, blending together, Lord, conflict happens. And so, God, I pray that we can treat uh, the conflict, Lord, with humility, Lord, even if it's not our fault, (laughs) let it be our fault. Um, God, may we give correction, may we receive correction more so. And Lord, may we know that just because something might not be picture perfect Instagram, Lord, it's still worthy of of being loved by you. And our, our mission is still to bring people towards you. So God, thank you for, uh, just being the perfect example of that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 See you guys next week.